There are a series of steps in selling, but I'm not going to go into that because uh, the different things. But the most critical thing is that your presentation to the customer must show that you understand what you're talking about. What does it then take for you to be very, very successful? There are a couple of skills that are critical. The first thing is around communication. You will not be able to give or understand what the customer needs or the consumer needs if you don't know how to communicate. Now, let me be clear. Communication is not about how good your English is. Communication is about whether you understand the other person and you're able to get yourself understood. So there's a simple rule in communication. Seek ye first to understand and then to be understood. If I know where you're coming from, it is easier for me to speak to you in the language that they understand. How many of us have some malams around where we live and when we want to buy something? If you greet him in his uh, language, what happens? He smiles. Does he give you extra? Why do you think he does that? You have simply showed him that I am willing to speak to you in your language. And you don't have to speak it correctly. It just shows that this person is sensitive enough to speak to me in the language, or he's making an attempt to speak to me in the language that I understand. And it cuts across everywhere. So seek ye first to understand and then to be understood. One of the greatest skills for any salesperson, it is also that skill that helps you understand what people need. Because sometimes people will not tell you, this is exactly what I am looking for. How do I know that that retailer, her problem or his problem is to pay rent? What if the person has retired, has a house of his own, and the reason why I have my shop is just so that I am not sitting at home? So how can I sell my benefits? My product brings this kind of people to your store. You know what? You will have people to interact with. It is not always I am selling profit, 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 profit. Because the need of that individual might be different. There are people who open businesses because they don't want to be idle. Unless you sell them a benefit that shows your product or your idea brings people into their outlet, right? Talking a profit story will not matter because they have tons of money. They don't need the money from the store. So communication skills, very, very important. The second thing is around persistence. You know, you want to succeed, both either marketing, sales, in your business, you've got to be persistent. You will get told no so many times. It is whether you are willing to go back and back and back and back and back and back. In the words of Calvin Coolidge, a former US president, nothing in the world can take the place of persistent. And if you look around you, you'll find a lot of highly educated people who are not successful. you find a lot of geniuses with talent who are not successful. You find people who have money, but they're not successful in building anything. So education will not, talent will not, but determination and persistence are critical because that's what changes what happens with the human race. Thomas Edison tried more than a thousand times. 
before he got the first light bulb. And so many other inventions that we face today, right? Exactly the same story. KFC, the guy built his business, what? At 67, right? He was a failure all through. Lincoln, Rabbi, US failed every US election until the presidency. So didn't win House of Assembly, didn't win Senate, didn't win House of Rep, didn't win uh, governorship. The only election that he won was the presidential election. Persistence and determination are critical. Character, very critical because your business, right, when we talk about emotional values, your character plays a huge role. Leadership plays a huge role. And most of all, the way you think. Your thinking is what determines the way you act, and that's what determines the results that you get. One of the biggest challenges we have in our society today is most of us have a victim mindset. I'm not successful today because I'm a minority. I'm not successful because I'm on this tribe. I'm not successful because these people have ganged up against me. These people have done this. It's not true. For every example, so for any person who says, I couldn't go to school because my father had no money, I have examples of people who went to school despite the fact that their parents had no money. Your thinking is what determines the actions that you will have is what determines your result. So when you see somebody successful, instead of trying to learn and understand what are the principles that have helped them succeed, sometimes we're thinking for reasons why we think they got a shortcut. That woman, they jazz her food. That's why everybody, they go there. It's not true. She knows how to cook. She has been cooking for years. It's not only how to cook. There's a way she handles the customers. Everybody is happy when they go there. You can't be frowning, you know what, and expect that. Like a Chinese proverb says, if you want to open a store, first learn how to smile. You can't have a business that you are not smiling, you're frowning at your people, and you expect to, I have the best cakes, I have the best this, but I'm very, very strict and this and that. People will not come. So your thinking determines your actions, your actions determine the results that you get. If you want to change yourself, you've got to change your thinking. As a man thinketh, so he is. So the basis for your business, like I said, if the basis for your business is a very clear vision based on very clear needs that you're going to meet, then you have the opportunity and you probably have the possibility that you will succeed. You've got to have a learning brain. Learning means you're willing to take risk and try things. So when they say experience, experience is not number of years. So I meet people in the office that tell me, oh, I have 10 years experience. I say, bollocks. If you drive from Lagos to Ibadan every day for 10 years, right, every day, and I have somebody who drives inside the streets of Oshodi for just six months, he's most likely a better driver than you because he will have met different iterations and different issues and circumstances to deal with. Lagos Ibadan, just face one way. You don't even have to reverse. But the person would tell me, I have 10 years experience. 10 years experience doing what? 10 years experience in a bank. You have been counting cash. And you, you're telling me what? 
10 years experience collecting deposits. Yes, I have 10 years experience. I want to be a manager. Managing what? Experience is about the number of different things and the skills that you put into play. The second thing is that understanding that knowledge is not skill. The world does not pay for what you know. The world pays for what you do with what you know. Knowledge only becomes skill once it's put into practice. How many of us will agree to enter a plane if you are told that the man got a first class in flying, but he has never flown a plane? You can't read a manual and drive a car. You can write an exam and pass all the theory questions, but the very first day you try to kickstart the car, the car is going to jack and go off. It is with skill, practice, practice, practice that it becomes skill. So let's be careful when we think about experience, and rather let's take risks because that's how we learn. But even though they say experience is the best teacher, it doesn't have to be your own experience. It's less expensive to learn from other people's mistakes. So open your mind. Don't be ashamed to copy and paste with pride. What are these people doing that is helping them? Copy and paste with pride. But copy the right things, not the wrong behaviors. And if you're able to do these things, these things would help you get the kind of results. So just to summarize, life is about choices. The choices that we'll make will determine whatever outcomes we get. We get the best results if our choices are driven by either a clear purpose or a clear vision, right? Money is an exchange of value, and money is only made when we try to solve the problems of people. Now, Lagos has about 20 million people, and there are so many problems we try to solve, available for us to solve. The problem is that we'll have this bandwagon effect. Today, pure water is selling, so everybody goes to pure water business. Tomorrow, barbing saloon. Every shop in the street is a barbing saloon. The next day is this one. Everybody is doing that. What is that niche, that different thing that you can bring to bear that you can take advantage of and get first mover advantage before everybody gets in? Today, now everybody is investing in MMM, right? <laughs> The early people who get in there, I can assure you, will get some money. The people who get in later, when the crash happens, are the ones that are going to weep and gnash their teeth. Right? The question is, what is driving the choice that you are making? And how do you ensure that it's your vision and the clarity of your purpose that sets the foundation for your business and guides you to all the things that you want to do? So I wish you good luck in all your endeavors. And thank you very much for your attention. I'm ready to take questions and comments. Number one. OK, Paul from Success Team. How do you recreate a business without, being, without it being a uh, kind of um, uh, a copyright of other existing business? 
you have an existing business and you want to create something out of it, a segment of it, how do you bring it to bear without being as if it was a copyright of a, a, a business? Um, the first thing I would challenge is why are you bothered about whether it's a copyright or not? Okay. Um, because sometimes in our system, in our environment here, we are not exposed to some of these uh, laws guiding businesses and as entrepreneur. Maybe are not exposed to some of these things. And you have that fear that it might be something that uh, somebody wants to, uh, you already, it's our core business. You can't do it. It's our family business. It can't be done. It's our regional business. It can't be done. So how, you, how do you do that as an entrepreneur? trying to create a fresh value for that business. Let so, me give you an instance, sir. Okay. Okay. Like um, today we see, uh, I see weddings. Uh, there are people that are now, um, um, what do you call them now? Event planning. And they do all sorts of stuff. But if, for instance, I want to pick just getting the bride, the groom, um, the family on a special occasion for that event or for a birthday party as a part of car hiring that your cars are classically for the groom and the bride. So they don't need going meeting families. They don't need going meeting companies to get their cars. How do you create such value without interfering on other person's business? The thing, first of all, is to check whether how will you make money out of it? Because, like you say, the people, the consumers have an option, right? They can get for free. They can borrow from somebody, right? So you've got to look at it. If, if I create this as something that is extra, is somebody willing to pay for that? So you've got to do your maths, and you've got to show that, okay, if I can do this, well, um, there's value to be paid. How much will I charge, right? You've also got to consider that the event planner can actually decide that I will add that because once you create something, your existing competitor or somebody who is doing a business is also not restricted to saying, you know what, as part of event planning, I will also do this for you. Now, if the person wants an easier option, the person will go with that. It comes back to why do you think that's a specific need that somebody should pay for? If it's tangible, then you have a business, and the only thing is to try. Because if you don't try it, you will not know whether it works or not. If people are pissed with what event planners are offering today, then they will accept that proposal. If they are not pissed, you just find that I've tried it, and actually, it doesn't make sense. One of the things I always advise people who are starting a new business is quantify why I think this makes sense. Because you're going to invest in a couple of cars, right? You're going to charge a fee for it. And how are you going to make money? So how many weddings do I think it will take for me to break even? Why should they accept to get this service from me instead of somebody else? If you don't ask these hard questions, you're just going to, you're just going to start it. And these are tough questions to answer. And sometimes we say, oh, this person is killing my dream. No, no, no. The person is helping you sharpen your dream. Because if you can't answer those, you don't have a business. Because you can buy the cars, you can have the special arcade, and after six months, nobody is using them, right? What happens? You don't have a business. 
What if people, because of the economic situation, stop doing elaborate uh, weddings? What if people start getting married on Tuesday? They go to a high court and they invite their friends to go to that. What happens? You know, you've got to factor all this what if, what if, what if, what if. At the end of the day, that's what allows you to say, okay, it actually makes sense for me to go. You can never be 100% sure, all right? But you've got to get to a point where you say, okay, on a balance of probability, this thing makes sense. You've got to be conscious that not more than 15, 20% of all business ideas succeed. So we, but you know, we have this mindset that I'm a very smart person, I'm a very hardworking person. Even in a stable business like we have, we have ideas that fail. Not more than 10, 20% of the things that we do succeed. But you want that one that succeeds to be able to pay. So I just really wanted to ask, when you were talking about um, emotional value, how do you um, replicate that in your customers? We find out that brands bring out products sometimes that are not actually um, good in quotes, but we find out that it still sells, it still sells a lot. So how do you recreate that emotional value in your customers, and how do you also re um, reverse engineer the success of other people so that it can appropriately re um, reproduce the same in your life? When it comes to emotional value, like I said, there are two elements. The first thing is that you've got to deliver tangible physical benefits. Now, one of the things that is critical and for us to understand is within the environment, sometimes the fact that you're selling today does not mean that people accept or like what you have. People today might be buying your service because they are limited by choice. If you're not careful, this is where if a new person comes in, the person understands the pain points, and the person recreates that, the person will then come and hit you below the belt. Good afternoon. Um, you've actually answered my question, but since I have the mic, um, can you tell us the story of the dog, the one they only mentioned? <laughs> um, okay. The story of a dog is not uh, a dog. So I'll need two volunteers. It's a role play. So can I have a guy and a girl come out? OK. So um, this is the role play now, right? So I just want you, we're going to try and do it for a minute. So this is your own case. Both of you are newly married, right? You're living in an estate. There are lots of robberies in the estate that happens at night, so because of that, you can't go out. Now, you like to go out at night, but because there are robberies, you guys are thinking of security, so you can't go out. You struggle to come to work every day because of bus, uh, no car, nothing. Your mother's 60th birthday is coming, and there's a big plan for Ashoibi, right? Your husband works. Right, uh, he ha you, you guys have one car, he goes, he's thinking of a security system for the house so that you guys would be able to have your evenings. He wants to buy a dog. You don't like dogs. So your responsibility, given the facts that I've given, is to try and sell her the dog. You know, you know there are a lot of robberies and, you know, this robbery thing going on. In fact, we need to really pray. 
Yeah, we need to yeah, we need to pray and pray. even as me I've been praying self and there are some ideas that have been coming to my mind. Mm. I was thinking maybe I should share them with you. I don't even I don't know. Okay, let's yeah. know now. Uh, really? Uh, maybe we can even go to the estate security and, and talk with the chairman of the Ah, the chairman that does not come out of his house after three PM. He can't even wait till six. What can we really do? Um you know, there's a way, there's something we can actually do. Yes. Um, I don't know how, I don't know whether you like it. Um, but I think it's something that um, by doing it, there's something you can also do for you. Well, it's I will possible. Not, you tell me so. I'm ah, because I'm thinking that there is something that we do that can solve the security problem. But um, in another way, it could also. Um, you know, it could um, it could also buy. You know, your mom's actually. I mean, your mom's 60th birthday is coming. Yeah, yes, and you know, the Ashebi you have been telling me about the Ashebi. I was not really, I wasn't really keen. You know, I don't spend money on those kind of things like that. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> this one is different too. <laughs> but I saw, I saw this promotion, um, this thing going on, and I felt that. Rather than spend that 50K, there's a way. I wasn't really interested in spending it. But I saw a kind of buy Ashwabi kind of thing, you know, with the economy, these shops, businesses, they are trying to merge. Wait, what are you saying? I don't get it. No, there are two businesses doing a, they are doing a promotion together. Okay. But they said the only way they can, we can get that the Ashwabi okay. as 50,000 naira, which is what you want, is that we collect a product from their partners also. So that's the only way. I don't understand what you are saying. This Ashwabi has been picked. I've, We've been talking about this yes, for a while. Yes, yes, yes. So what are you, I don't get it. The Ashwabi company says if we get the Ashwabi, at 50,000 naira, we have to get a dog from their partners. Why do we need to go to company for Ashebi? My cousin is the one handling the Ashebi now. I, I know, I know, because you know the reason why I'm thinking about that one, because I'm feeling like, you know, the thieves that come and steal, we can solve the stealing problem wait, wait, and wait. also solve your... These ah. things are two separate issues. Though. They are not... Ashebi, we have been talking... Which... But think Actually, about it. Dog. Think about it. This to get a new security is fifty thousand naira on his own. Ah. To get Ashwabi, fifty thousand naira on his own. But if we buy this Ashwabi from this company, their partners will offer us a free dog. And you know, the dog can just be playing around the compound, just ensuring that nobody jumps the fence. Okay, you That's are saying that instead of my cousin that is handling this Ashwabi, yes, we should contract out getting the Ashwabi from this company. Yes, they are. And then they give us a dog. Yeah, so that people won't jump the fence now. You know, these people stealing around. Okay. Yeah, you know. That's the only way I think I so can that, uh, spend oh, this 50K. You are thinking this will solve our security uh, issues? Yeah, I'm thinking that. Is that. Know. You, know, you know I'm even allergic to dog. Who will take care of the dog? Ah, then no. there should be... At um, I think it's trying to highlight and there are a couple of things to to bring out there the first thing is that okay you were struggling to what exactly you're you're trying to sell remember when i was talking i talked about selling benefits 
and that okay. if you sell benefits and you think about the limitations that the person and you have an answer to address that, it actually helps to deal with that. Now, it's a classic example I use because sometimes we put the problem up front, right? And you create a, a, a problem. Now, let me try and handle uh, this separate. Hello, Darlene, how are you? I'm okay. Uh, you're looking. How was your day today? Fine. No, I look... hope it was not like mine. No, I can, so tired. I can see you're, you're looking very tired. This tra traffic yeah, again. I really that am. That Oshodi traffic and you having to jump two different buses and things like that. It's, 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 it's been a very And I'm long sure day. your mother's 68th birthday is worrying you. Oh, in fact. And you know, this evening, because of these security issues, we are not able to go. Last week, you mixed the, the band show. This week again, we are going to miss this other show that you like to do. In fact, I just want to sleep. But I'm so tired. Honey, just hold on. Okay. Imagine if I had a fantastic idea that ensures that I can get you a car, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we can put a down payment for your mommy's Ashwebi, and we can secure our house, and therefore we can go next week. Your favorite uh, group, P Square, they are playing next week. Would you be interested? Wow. wow. You're coming with ideas again, no? Okay, okay. Let's so, hear it. What have I done now? I have sold benefits and I've put three things in her mind. A car, the show, and the Ashwebi. When I bring the dog, will she... she so, you know, um, you know that security has been an issue, right? Uh, one option is to go with CCTV, but if we go and get a CCTV, it means that I cannot afford to pay for the car. Again, because of power, it doesn't work. We will not be able to be sure of that. We can also hire a megad, but you know the last three robberies, it was the megads themselves that exactly, led to this Exactly, exactly. Right? I don't even know about now, these megads. I, I know that, look, the best option for us is the security that you can trust, that is affordable, and ensures that that car that you, you want, you will get, we can go for the shows. And mm. so what I've thought about is that, you know what, we can actually get a dog, I know you don't like dogs, but I will have a cage at the back of the house. The dog will be locked. It will only come out when we're going out. Okay. I am the one that will clean the dog. Okay. And what will happen is that by doing that, we're going to be able to make the down payment for your uh, mom's Ashwebi. And guess what? Do you prefer Honda or Mercedes-Benz? Wow. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. So. There, there, there are a couple of things. There are a couple of things I want to highlight. Even though I was trying to sell a dog, I didn't close with a dog. I closed with the choice of car. Do you like a Honda or do you prefer a Mercedes-Benz? Because once she says Honda or Benz, the dog is sold. <laughs>
we regret making those decisions. How can we make the right decision to succeed? The second question is this. One of my lecturers told me something before about business that for you to succeed in any business, you have to learn the 419 of the business. Yes. So you said you have to learn the 419 of the business. So what I want to ask is uh, this. How can you know the fraudulent of each business, as in what are the frauds in, um, inside each business? Then the third one is... Uh, how do you sustain the structure of your business? How do you sustain it? Okay, so there are three questions. The first one is, um, how do you make decisions, right? Decision-making is based on very simple things, right? How much facts or information that you know. So when they say knowledge is power, it's actually true. So if you're going to go into any business, right, before you take any decisions, right, you've got to have a lot of facts at your fingertips. Now, if I use big businesses, depending on the size or the magnitude of the risk that we're going to face, it means there's a lot more work done. So you look at research, you look at this, you look at all the facts, you study your competitors to the point where you have enough information to say, okay, I've got to make a call. But even at that, there's one critical thing that is necessary for decisions to be made, and that's courage. Most of the tough choices, most of the decisions that have to be made are not easy choices, right? The reason why people balk at making choices is because it's not easy. When you're growing up or when you're young, everything is black and white. Everything is black and white. As you grow older, you find out that there are some things that are shades of gray. So sometimes I always tell my people of what I call the devil's alternative. Either way, men will die. So what, what will be, again, the basis for taking this decision? Sometimes a decision means it's the lesser evil. Sometimes you have to choose between two goods. So choosing between good and evil, very easy. Choosing between two evils, that's where the challenge is. So you've got to define which one is the lesser evil, especially given your purpose and the vision of what you're trying to achieve. So that's what becomes the anchor for saying, you know what, out of these two decisions that we've got to take, both of them are bad, but this is actually the less one that will impact us. The second thing with your decisions is that you then start to think about what are the mitigating factors you can put to ensure that those things do not materialize. So once you put all of those things, it becomes clear. In terms of uh, frauds in a business, the first thing is to always think about where will the leakages and breakages come from. So again, I have a, an old colleague of mine, he has a famous saying, in God we trust, everybody else we audit. So you check every single thing, right? So we trust God, everybody else, we will audit. So why is this like this? Why is this like this? Why is this like this? You will always be asking why. Because you must be interested in knowing how it has happened because that's what ensures that it can be sustained. So what is right is repeated. And if it's a flaw, you can accept it. I've seen where businesses, because of a sudden ship, so... When people say it's only the results that matter, I think it's laziness, it's abdication of responsibility. You've got to go underneath the surface to check for how and why. And that way you can understand what it is that I can continue to replicate in the business and that way your business becomes uh, better. What was the third one again? How do you sustain the structure? So you've got to look at, again, if you start, first of all, to set a structure for your business, how do I want it to be? So 
This is the kind of business I want to set, and this is how we're going to grow in steps and stages. So people, their roles clearly defined, how exactly decisions are going to be made, how money is going to be handled, you start to build to that. The big mistake a lot of people make is that because their aspiration is big, sometimes they set a big structure from the start. No, your structure will drain your money from the beginning if it does not plan. So you add to growth. What is required for me to start today? So I can build my foundation right, but guess what? In building the structure for the, for the building, I understand that I'm going to scale it up. So if I put internal walls, for example, it's easier for me to use lightweight walls because I know that in two years' time, I'm going to pull them out. So I can set that structure. It's cheaper for me. And then I start to add and add to, to the growth that you want. So you've got to break down the elements into tiny chunks, every single thing measurable. What you can measure, you cannot do very well. So anything you want to do, everything measured. And then, of course, you check that people are doing what they say they will do. Don't get too busy focused on listening to the things in your head. Because sometimes the people will tell you what you want to hear. So when you launch something, month one you have a fantastic success, and they tell you it's because we are fantastic. Not true. Ask, show me the evidence that we are fantastic. Let's break down all the elements that we say we are going to do. So if you start to analyze each element piece by piece, you're able to find out where you've worked at, and that's what uh, sustains your business. So sustaining a business is about people, is about processes, right? So even the best entrepreneurs, right, go to hire people to help them to manage their business. So the fact that you, the person has the idea, somebody else that puts the structure and ensures that those structures are held to account critical for the business. My question is with respect to you calling bankers um, deposit collectors. Um, it's, it actually shook me. My, why, I'm, why I'm asking the question is that I have siblings and then my wife is in a bank. And she's just been recently moved to marketing. Uh, I want to ask, what's, what is your advice with them developing themselves um, in the line of India in, in marketing, as the bank puts it? Thank you. It's, this is a tough one. <laughs> but I'll, look. The reason why I say they are deposit collectors because if you look at the way they are measured, they are measured by what is it that they bring, right? And actually, people start getting moved depending on how much they bring. Now, what that means is for you to grow, all you need to know is no people will have money, right? But what then happens when you leave the bank and you decide that you want to work for yourself, you want to build a business, you actually have no skill. Now. If you go to classic marketing, and the example I always use to them, go and check the heads of marketing or corporate marketing in all the banks. They all came out of FMCGs. So if the banks, if the guys themselves are fantastic and good, why don't they promote people from their industry into the marketing director roles? Why do they go and bring people from FMCGs to come and run those roles? So one, the person can either learn by, okay, coming to things like this, and I also copying other industries. So it means you have to do a lot of studies. 
But the, the only difference is that you will not have the opportunity to practice unless you run a small business of your own on the side. Right? That's what will allow you practice because reading does not give you skill. Reading gives you knowledge, but knowledge only becomes skill when you practice it. The second option is that early on, especially for those who are starting, right, go to somewhere where you can build the right experience, and guess what? Your experience can then be sold to the banks at a much later uh, stage. If you want to grow in that, you can build a skill somewhere else, and you can come back to industry. If you want to do marketing, if you are doing other elements of banking, of cooperations and things like that, that's a separate um, conversation. But at the end of the day, I used to count money. I used to collect money. Now I'm asked to go and collect money. What exactly is the skill that you can take and translate to yourself once you leave that job? That's the question you should be asking. So whatever you're doing should be adding to you. Because if you stop work, it doesn't mean that you should have no value, right? If you stop work, it doesn't mean that you should have no value. But you will have no value if there's nothing you can sell to people to pay for. In some of the banks, as we have it today, they will probably never get the opportunity to practice because all they will be targeted about is how many billions have you brought. And that's not real marketing. Thank you. <laughs> My name is Abola Deatsinike. You said you read um, biochemistry. And till date, you've been successful as a marketing expert. I have a similar story. I read mechanical engineering. And for the last four years, it has been a sales and marketing job. So from your words of experience, can you recommend any additional course for me? Because even if I'm offered any engineering job now, I can't take it. So what course can you recommend for me, sir? Um, if you want to build your knowledge base uh, from marketing, okay, what have I done? I've basically done a lot of reading. So I read lots of uh, business magazines, London Economist, I call it my MBA school, um, because you get a lot of um, knowledge. I read a lot of industry papers because they give you a lot of knowledge. Yes, there are a couple of courses you can go to, right? There are a couple of uh, universities that offer specialized courses. Aside from your core marketing, because it gets to a certain level, actually, it is not marketing that will drive you to the top. It is courses around leadership, right? It is courses around leadership. It's courses around thinking and problem solving, and then courses around insights that can help you, uh, that can help you do that. And then just make sure that you read. The second thing is that go outside your industry, whatever industry you are right now, always challenge. Look for anything that other people are doing. One of the ways I've learned is by looking at other industries, okay? Use the net. There are 1,001 free courses on the internet, right? On YouTube, there are 1,001 free courses uh, on, the, on the internet that you can do. But I think as you grow higher, you should start to focus a lot more on leadership development because things around decision-making, things around choices, things around leading people, because the results you're going to deliver will not be results that you deliver yourself. It will be results through other people. Understanding insights, you know, things that give you uh, a lot of understanding about how to draw conclusions or insights from pieces of data that you have, I think are the things that have helped. Once you get above a certain level, your job will not be whether you can make an advert 
or whether you can design a product. Your job will be more about what decision do you make? What choices do you make? It will be more about leadership. So I think you should be thinking more of leadership courses and more of leadership development. That's it. Okay. Let, let, me, let me add one bonus question. I will ask it myself. Just for somebody there who is thinking, you have worked in like five different places, leadership. Um, aren't you very lucky? You know, so somebody's thinking maybe it's luck. Um, how do you help someone see that uh, things don't happen because you are lucky? <laughs> you know, so, or have you been lucky? So maybe you can also learn from the luck as well. Um, my definition of luck is, or rather they say, luck is where opportunity meets preparation. Because I think that God has given us all the tools and potentials and everything, and he's not going to do everything for you. You know, when he created it, he said, go ye and take dominion over the world. So those are some basic um, principles for me. But I think a couple of things. I called out some of the skills that uh, probably helped that uh, this thing. There are four skills I will call out that are critical. The first one is around courage. And courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is your willingness to act despite the fear that you face. It is something... I see a lot of people who are smart, I see a lot of people who are skilled, but you do not know where they stand for. They're thinking, what does my boss, what will he say? They're afraid. What if I will be sacked? So I had this very simple mindset. I always go back and recalibrate. I always say, look, I need to invest in myself, right? So thinking and problem solving, because so long as you bring solutions, you will always have a place. So courage. Thinking and problem solving. I'm always asking the questions other people are not asking. Now, it means sometimes I have to spend a bit more time at work because I'm digging into why something is working or why it's not working. So if there's one person that's going to bring a different perspective to it, probably most likely going to be me. Because of that, okay, people recognize that value and therefore people are willing to, uh, to, to support and say that. Reading, right? I just read. There's no knowledge that is lost. But the thing is that when I read, I try to simplify stuff to actions. So how do you translate the principles of what you learn to everyday life? So we try to make things very esoteric. I have learned how to simplify stuff and remove all the razzmatazz beyond all the big, big language and all the big, big grammar to what are we going to do? The third thing is a sense of judgment. You've got to know when to act and when not to act. Sometimes your experience helps you. Sometimes other people's experience helps you, right? Because then you're, you're able to see stuff and you're able to decide. And that could be the difference between knowing when to speak and when not to speak, knowing when to do something and when not to do something, especially if you're reporting to people and if you're, if you're driving that. I've been careful in recommendations I make, especially with people. If I cannot vouch for you, I'm not going to sign that piece of paper to say this person deserves this. Those are some of the things that have helped. And the last one is around humility. Humility is what opens you to learning. Humility doesn't mean you step down for people to step on you. Humility means you recognize that everybody has something to offer. And you treat everybody with respect. That's just what humility is. I've always seen the roles that I do 
as a position of responsibility I hold in trust for Nigerians. Because if I look back to when I started 20 years ago, most of the MDs, CEOs of companies were Nigerians. If you fast forward today, there are very few of us. What has happened? When we put a Nigerian in a position of responsibility, we start to abuse that position of responsibility. And what we've done is we've created an, a problem where the younger generations have nothing to have. Whatever level you are, I believe that you owe a responsibility not just to yourself, but either to the community or the people around you. Leadership is not a reward. It is not, I have arrived, it's our time to chop. No. You have arrived to go and fix problems that ensures that the people who are coming behind you can actually get a benefit. I think it's that mindset that has helped me grow because at the end of the day, like I tell people, the last letter of application I wrote was in 1994, and that was to PNG. Every other job that I have done, they have come to look for me. And I believe that it can happen if you focus on yourself, you invest on the right qualities and the right character, and guess what? The people will come and look for you. That's the thing. Thank you very, very much. I can begin not only my life with the end in mind, I can begin my day with the end in mind. I can tell myself when I want to close and sleep tonight. So I come for this training and I'm going from this training. A question I'd like you to hold in your mind is, one year from now, three months from now, where do I see myself?